You're listening to a Count Out Podcast. In 1991, the first ever G1 Climax was born. Replacing the former World Leagues and IWGP League tournaments, this new tournament took the top heavyweights New Japan Pro Wrestling had to offer to see who truly was the best in the promotion. But not everyone got the opportunity to compete in the G1 Climax. After all, the G1 Climax was for the best of the best, and to be invited in was an honor in of itself. Some wrestlers never appeared, while some competed year in and year out. Today, however, we will be discussing the men that got the call only one time. This is G1 and Only. Welcome to G1 and Only. My name is Ryan Knightsey. On today's episode, we will be discussing three wrestlers' one and only G1 Climax appearances across two tournaments. And when putting together the show for the first time, there was a growing list of names of people that I was surprised to see fall onto this G1 and only list. You know, we discussed previous uh, people like your Austins, your Flares, but today we will discuss three wild new entries into the G1 and only list. First, in 1997, as a part of WCW, we will look at the G1 appearances of Lord Steven Regal and the NWO's Buff Bagwell. And then for the 1998 G1 Climax, you may remember him better as Fake Razor Ramon, but today we will look at him as the NWO's Big Titan. Born Darren Matthews on May 10th, 1968 in England, the future William Regal began his wrestling training at the age of 15. He soon formed a tag team called the Golden Boys with future NXT trainer Robbie Brookside. Regal would continue the tour around Europe and the world at large until he sent a letter to Bill Watts of World Championship Wrestling asking if he can wrestle in the States. Watts agreed and soon Lord Stephen Regal was born. Acclaimed descendant of William the Conqueror, Regal would go on to win the WCW World Television Championship four times and having some tag team success as part of the Blue Bloods. 
In the midst of WCW's rise to fame, Regal got an opportunity to represent WCW in New Japan's famous G1 Climax Tournament. In the opening match, Regal would face Satoshi Kojima. Whereas Regal was a technical darling, Kojima was more of a striker, using lariats and cutters to win his matches. Coming into the tournament, Kojima was one half of the IWGP Tag Team Champions with partner Nabu Nakanishi, but he would be no help here. At equal heights and weights, this match came down to skill versus strength. In Tokyo, Japan, on August 1st, 1997, Steven Regal entered his only G1 Climax match against Satoshi Kojima. The bell sounds and the two men lock up, and it is a strong one, two rams locking horns. Kojima gets Regal into a headlock, and after some back and forth arm locks, Regal ends up getting the upper hand, taking Kojima to the mat and applying a crossface. Kojima is able to power out of this and catch Regal with a double underhook, but Regal counters out and responds with some of his classic European uppercuts, bringing Kojima back down to the mat. Regal has always been an outstanding technical wrestler, and this sort of current school British grappling style feels very at home in the New Japan ring, something Zack Sabre Jr. will bring back decades later. Kojima is able to reverse Regal's submissions and goes for an armbar on Regal, but Regal counters out again, putting Kojima back into the crossface. If Kojima wanted to take down Regal, he needs a new strategy. Regal brings Kojima back up and gives him knees and uppercuts. Regal throws Kojima into the corner and hits him with slaps. Regal sends Kojima into the opposite corner, but Kojima counters out with a big boot. Kojima proceeds with the offense with a big-time spinebuster and a diving elbow drop for two. Kojima gets up and lariats Steven Regal, but Regal refuses to fall, even asking for more. After two more lariats, Regal finally falls. Kojima climbs the top rope once again, but Regal catches him there, captures Kojima with a double underhook, and nails a superplex off the top rope. Regal thinks he has it and pits Kojima, five times in a row, all failing. Regal continues with a Regal plucks of his own for two and then tries to capture in the Regal stretch, but Kojima is able to reach the ropes. Regal attempts a back suplex, but Kojima counters out with a Kojima cutter and one three-count leader wins the match. Conclusion. As mentioned previously, Steven Regal provided a nice change of pace to your typical New Japan match, with his British technical style. Whereas Regal didn't go far in this tournament, his style would definitely provide a future impact to current New Japan in the form of Zack Sabre Jr. In today's match, however, Regal had complete domination over Kojima, but it wasn't until he played into Kojima's strong style game of you know, sort of accepting lariats where the match turned away from Regal and Kojima was able to find a loophole and win the match. Sure, Regal may be a man's man, but when compared to the toughness of Japanese wrestlers, maybe he needs to rethink that. Following the 1997 G1 Climax, Regal would make a brief stop in Alaska, then return to WCW and compete for the Tag Team Championships and the World Championship. However, he was never able to reach that world title. He would then head to WWF and actually become a man's man, but sadly, following a stint in rehab, he was soon released. He did, however, return to WCW for a year and then came back to the WWF, where he would spend the rest of his career 
unable to compete in the New Japan G1 Climax ever again. He would be the general manager several times over, battle over the Tag Team Championships, the European Championship, and the Intercontinental title, but infamously never won the world title. In 2008, however, Regal won the King of the Ring tournament, where it was believed that he would have finally gone on to win the world championship. But it was a violation of WWE's drug policy that led to that possibility to crumble. Regal would continue to bounce around, but ultimately landed in NXT, where he would compete in his final match ever against Cesaro. Today, William Regal is NXT and 205 Live's general manager and WWE director of talent development and head of global recruiting. Steven Regal's G1 and only grade, C. Who is Buff Bagwell? What person calls himself that? Well, if you Google Buff Bagwell and look at the images, you will see exactly who would call himself that. Buff Bagwell was born Marcus Bagwell in Georgia on January 10th, 1970. Before wrestling, Bagwell was a star baseball player in high school and an amateur boxer and, you know, funny enough, a massage therapist who would eventually debut in wrestling in 1990 as the Handsome Stranger, a gimmick where he would wear a Lone Ranger-esque match and give roses to women. That's right, he was Angel Garza. In 1991, Bagwell would join WCW and quickly fell into the tag team division, winning the WCW World Tag Team Championships four times. In the late fall of 1996, Bagwell joined the NWO and formed a tag team with New Japan slash WCW wrestler Scott Norton. Because of this, Bagwell also began competing with New Japan more regularly as a part of NWO Japan, which explains Bagwell's inclusion in this year's G1 Climax. Speaking of which, let's get to the match. Both Bagwell and his opponent Kensuke Sasuke both received a bye heading into this tournament. Sasuke has a lot of experience in the G1 Climax, competing in four of them, reaching the semifinals once and the finals once as well. Bagwell may have the physique and the height on Sasuke, but that stocky, tough stereotype typically does well in a tournament like this. In Tokyo, Japan, on August 2nd, 1997, Buff Bagwell competed in his only G1 Climax match, facing Kensuke Sasuke. The bell sounds, and surprisingly to me, we've got a hot crowd, folks. I guess not too surprising, since the crowd does love Kensuke Sasuke here, but this temperature is prime for a character like Buff Bagwell, you know, sort of self-centered, egotistical, muscly heel. The two start the match with a basic sequence, headlocks, drop-downs, and arm drags, ending with Bagwell posing to the crowd, much to Sasuke's chagrin. Sasuke gets Bagwell into a headlock. When Bagwell shoves Sasuke off, Sasuke holds onto the ropes and shorter blocks Bagwell himself. This really upsets Bagwell, who gives a stiff slap across Sasuke's face. But this only makes the beast angrier. The two eventually brawl outside, with Bagwell ended up getting the upper hand. Back in the ring and in control, Bagwell lays the boots to Sasuke, but doesn't forget to pose to that crowd. Bagwell attempts a suplex, but Sasuke's power is too strong, and Bagwell receives the suplex instead. Bagwell tries to hit some lariats to Sasuke, but none of them take down Sasuke. Bagwell tries once more, one final time, but Sasuke dodges, giving Bagwell a chance for a dropkick. 
He's proud of his work. So guess what? He poses. Bagwell, now certainly in control, attacks Sasuke's face a bit, but brings him outside. There, Bagwell gives Sasuke a body slam and rams him into the ring. Angry at the ring count, Bagwell yells at the referee to shut up. Bagwell clotheslines Sasuke and hits him with a suplex for the two count, but demands that it was three. He then climbs to the top rope and nails a blockbuster, and much to his surprise, it, this doesn't get the victory. Bagwell unsure is what to do, what muscle move, what pose, maybe it's the pose of the issue, maybe it's, it's I'm not hitting the right move, what is the issue? Uh, because of this, he gets nailed with a power slam from Sasuke. This allows Sasuke to get control of the match, nail a judo arm drag, and win the match. Do much of Bagwell's bewilderment. Conclusion Bagwell played his role here perfectly. He was never an amazing competitor, but went full hog into that character work. It's like if you take Rick Rude and make him sort of a worse wrestler and more add more baby oil to him. But here, Bagwell did his best to annoy Sasuke to the point of frustration, allowing Sasuke to get the win and eventually go on to win the whole 1997 G1 Climax. Both Bagwell would continue to compete in WCW and New Japan until a damaged vertebrae caused him to miss out some action. Additionally, Bagwell was charged with battery and suspended from WCW, after verbally assaulting a WWE employee. Despite all this, Bagwell continued at WCW and competed in the infamous Judy Bagwell on a forklift match. When WWF purchased WCW, Bagwell was one of the first wrestlers to be bought out and join WWF's roster full-time. But after terrible matches and supposedly faked injuries, Bagwell was fired within his first year with the company, to this day, he is unsure why he was really fired. Buff Bagwell bounced around many different promotions and currently wrestles in the independents, mainly in his home state of Georgia. Buff Bagwell's G1 and only grade, C+. Now, with Regal and Bagwell taken care of, it's time to hop into my DeLorean and let's head one year into the future to the 1998 G1 Climax. Okay, we're here. <laughs> We've arrived. Titanic continues to crush the box office. Microsoft has just released Windows 98. And Seinfeld is sadly finally over. But we don't care about that. We're here for one man and one man only. Or rather, not a man, but a titan. A big titan. Big Titan was born Rick Bogner in Canada on January 16th, 1970, same day as my mother, in fact. He began training in 1988 and through Japanese connections, was able to head over to Japan and wrestle in the independent scene there from 1991 to 1996. Bogner would return to the States and ECW as Big Titan, 
but would arrive in WWF as arguably his most infamous moment. You see, during the Monday Night Wars, WWF were upset two of their top guys left for the so-called big leagues. And like any bad breakup, WWF wanted to prove that they didn't care about those top guys. So what they did was get two wrestlers to be those top guys. Along with Glenn Jacobs, Rick Bogner debuted in WWF as Razor Ramon. Surprise, surprise, this rebound didn't last too long, and Bogner bounced around once more, ending in New Japan Pro Wrestling, joining the NWO Japan faction as their Western big man. And that's where we discover Big Titan. Titan, what do you think about you and your NWO Japan faction members' chances in the G1 Climax? We are the very best. That's why we always kick ass every match, whether we win. Oh, looks like we have to cut Mr. Titan off there because his match looks to be starting right now. In Tokyo, Japan, on August 13th, 1998, Big Titan wrestled Tadao Yasuda. The two behemoths locked up. Both men having similar structure, tall, big, and menacing. Titan looks for a test of strength and shows his own against Yasuda. Titan throws Yasuda into the ropes, leaps over him, which causes Yasuda to fall to the outside. Titan meets him there with a diving crossbody. Back into the ring. Titan goes for a big clothesline, but Yasuda deflects it and goes for a shoulder block of his own, dropping Titan, forcing him to escape. Yasuda snapmares Titan and captures him in with a headlock but Titan uses his long legs to reach the ropes. Yasuda looks for a test of strength, but Titan already has enough and just brings the boots to Yasuda instead. Titan puts an ankle lock on Yasuda, but Yasuda escapes. The two men then circle each other a bit, looking admittedly kind of lost, but Titan is able to continue, bringing Yasuda down and getting him with a sharpshooter. Titan continues the pain by dragging Yasuda to the ring post and slamming his leg against it. Titan brings Yasuda outside and wraps Yasuda's leg around the guardrail for more pain to the big man's leg. Back in the ring, Titan applies a camel clutch to Yasuda, but this doesn't last too long. He then throws Yasuda into the corner, but Yasuda catches out with a big boot and a block. When Titan falls to the ground, he quickly turns to fall onto Yasuda's leg for more pain, sort of that counter-wrestler style, because this allows Titan to keep his momentum. Titan does a big splash on Yasuda for a close two count. He brings Yasuda into the corner with some fists and then attempts a suplex, but Yasuda counters. Titan tries to stop Yasuda's momentum again by quickly grabbing him and getting him into the corner, but Yasuda explodes out with slaps and a suplex for a very close two count. Yasuda goes for a big boot, but Titan catches it and close lines Yasuda. He then goes for a big boot of his own and gets the two count. Titan picks up Yasuda and hits him with a running knee and a back body drop. Titan then jumps to the top rope for a really ugly-looking split-legged splash for the two-count. Titan climbs the top rope again, but this time Yasuda meets him there and delivers a huge suplex. Yasuda throws Titan back into the corner and hits a massive drop kick into the Tiger Driver for the win! Let's listen to some post-match comments. 
screw up. Next time, it's gonna be me. All me. Big Titan, I had you the whole match. You got lucky, kid. But you ain't getting lucky next time. Conclusion. The match between Big Titan and Yusuda is exactly what you would expect, and that is to say, not too great. The match is definitely not awful, because at the very least, effort was there, but there were points in this match where the two wrestlers were lost, and you always hate to see that. But Big Titan was able to play his role of the, for lack of a better word, big monster. However, the moments where Titan tried to showcase his athleticism, like the split-legged moonsault, this made Titan look foolish. It was the classic moment of me wanting the big wrestler to just be big, not athletic and high-flying. To be fair to Mr. Titan, following a match against Shinya Hashimoto in February 1998 of that year, Titan would receive a neck injury that would continue throughout the rest of his career. So something like that was definitely debilitating uh, for Mr. Titan during this G1 Climax. Big Titan would continue to wrestle in New Japan for another year, and then he returned to Canada, but the neck injury was just too much, and Big Titan was forced to retire in 2000. He did return to the ring for one last match in 2012 in Calgary of his home country, where he was on the winning side of a tag team match. On September 20th, 2019, Rick Bogner would sadly pass away from a sudden heart attack. His impact in the wrestling world may have been brief, but it sure was a huge moment for the Monday Night Wars, a moment we all will never forget. Big Titans G1 and only grade D. In two weeks, admittedly, it's going to be an interesting one. You know, after scoping the web, it it would appear that there is zero footage of any match in the 2000 G1 Climax other than New Japan's release of the finals on NewJapanWorld.com. But that won't stop this train. So we're going to look at the careers in the G1 Climax appearances of the three wrestlers who competed in this four-block tournament. Brian Johnston, Hiro Saito, and Tatsutuk Takaiwa. And you know, maybe we'll talk about other stuff. I don't know. It's going to be very weird. It's going to be sort of a changing format, honestly. I'm, I'm not sure, but we'll find out together. We'll find out in two weeks. So until then, everybody, please continue to stay safe. And I will talk to you all in two weeks on G1 and only. What if I told you that you can support your blood pressure and healthy CoQ10 levels with two chews a day? The new Super Beats Heart Chews Advanced is now supercharged with CoQ10. That's like getting CoQ10 for free. Our powerful blend of beetroot, grapeseed extract, and CoQ10 supports your cardiovascular health. Visit RadioBeats.com and find out how you can get a free 30-day supply on bundles and save 15% with the promo code DEAL.